at this point, this is just so delusional. And it's so different than the person I knew. This person I knew was very community oriented. And she lived her life in Toronto. She was very much about, you know, grassroots community. And this is just like, let's hire a mayor to, to run a city. You know, that's how we can just take them over. And she goes on about how we, if we take over enough towns, that we can form a block of cities and tell the province to end the mandates. This is the Q Dropped Podcast. Stories of relationships torn apart by QAnon. Today, we need to ask our listeners for a favor. As each episode is released, we find that running this podcast is becoming more and more expensive. Storage and time spent as freelancers adds up. Sadly, we're running the show in the red, and as you might be able to guess, that is not sustainable. So we kindly ask that if you like the show and value what we're doing here, please consider becoming a patron or donating via the links in the show notes. This show means a lot to us, and I know it means a lot to a lot of you as well. So thank you in advance for helping to make sure we can continue to do it. Now back to the show. We're a dozen episodes into the second season of our podcast, and we haven't really touched on how QAnon and Q-adjacent ideas have affected Canada. I know the world likes to look at my country and see gentle, apologetic people who thrive on being polite and neighborly, but Canada is changing. The QAnon phenomenon has seeped across the border like a rotting fruit, catching many hundreds of thousands of my fellow countrymen in its mess. Some of the most bizarre stories of QAnon I've ever heard have come from this side of the border. Romana Dedulo, for example, or as she would ask you to call her, the Queen of Canada, has managed to suck a few thousand Canadians into her orbit and convince them that she is the real leader of Canada, the one true monarch, and she spends her days issuing royal decrees. It sounds funny, but her followers actually believe it. They believe that the Canadian government is an illegitimate organization. Queen Romana will often take credit for good things that are happening, saying in some of her many statements that she's the reason ground was broken on a new affordable housing development, or why a vaccine mandate was vacated, or even why some stores may have dropped masking requirements. In her decrees, she claims the CRA, Canada's tax collection agency, similar to the IRS, is not a legal entity and as such, Canadians don't have to pay their taxes. She says all debt has been forgiven and that you don't have to pay your mortgage or your credit card bill. She's decreed that all utilities are free, so no need to pay your electricity bill or your water bill. In one decree, she announced that from this point forward, all cell phone plans would be $10 per month, which would be so nice, but it's just not true. The saddest part about all of this is that Romana has managed to convince her followers of these things, and one by one, they're experiencing foreclosures on their homes, bankruptcy, electricity and gas shutting off, and their cell phones no longer working. 
Determined to believe in Romana, they marched down to the nearest CRA office or their electricity provider, decrees from Romana de Dulo in hand, and swear up and down that the money they are trying to collect is illegal in Queen Romana's Canada. They've even presented these decrees in court to judges presiding over foreclosure hearings. Many have lost their homes, their jobs, their utilities, and the respect of their loved ones. The world also watched as a few hundred truckers descended upon our nation's capital and occupied its city center, terrorizing the residents with round-the-clock, non-stop honking, all in protest of vaccine mandates. Our country, our soft-spoken country, most fond of the word sorry, watched in horror as a swastika flag was flown in the capital of the country we no longer recognize. This is Canada in the 20s. I don't have to tell you that QAnon has infected our Canadian culture. You know my parents are the reason I do this, but we've never talked about what goes on up here. We've talked about how QAnon and conspiracy theories have rocked relationships in the US. We've covered a couple of stories in Germany and the Netherlands. Today, I finally get to bring it home and tell the story of a Canadian politician and lawyer and the man who considered her a dear friend. Uh, my name is Matt Fodor. I am a uh, writer and political scientist in Toronto. And I have uh, recently wrote a book. Uh, my book is called From Leighton to Sing, The 20-Year Conflict Behind the NDP's Deal with the Trudeau Liberals. It's a story of the evolution of the NDP over the last uh, two decades from Jack Layton's time until Jugnet today. Our story today is about Matt's relationship with his close friend, Saran Gebrselassie, a former candidate for the mayor of Toronto, a Canadian lawyer and activist. Saran and I knew each other for about, I guess, three or four years. We had many mutual friends going back uh, about 15 years time. We were both left-wing activists in Toronto and I was, you know, we were both involved in a uh, strike at York University on the picket lines in uh, 2009. And we never met there, but we were, you know, we'd probably crossed paths and had a lot of mutual friends. A lot had been a lot of the same organizations. And I hadn't actually heard of her until she ran for mayor of Toronto in um, 2018. She ran for mayor of Toronto. And my activist friends, including many from the QP3903 union, which we were involved with, spoke very highly of her. Um, and they're saying it's a great candidate. This is the real deal. And, 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 and you know, they remember her from the strike days. And I decided to have a look. Matt took to Saran instantly. Politically, she was inspired by Bernie Sanders, AOC and the squad. You know, she was very much a person of the political left. This uh, working class daughter of Eritrean refugees, first generation family to go to university. So with roots in the, the York Southwestern area, a, a priority neighborhood. I first met her and I decided to approach her when she gave a speech at a uh, dissident labor conference. I guess that was in September 2018. And I was really impressed by her speech. And we, we got on very, very quickly. And I ended up becoming close friends with her very quickly. And I got involved in her campaign. I was very impressed with her. I thought she had some great ideas about uh, free transit. 
Together, they would work on plans for a second run for mayor of Toronto with Matt as her campaign manager. We were really close. There was this uh, workspace in Toronto, the CSI, Center for Social Innovation. Um, and she was a member there and she got me a membership there and I would do my work as a writer there. She had her law practice there. We spent a lot of time thinking about a future run. You know, we shared a lot in common. She was a very, very uh, good friend. She was also bilingual, very, very um, passionate about bilingualism. And she ended up becoming a French tutor as well. The two worked together on a lot of projects and became incredibly close. We had the French tutoring, we had the, the workspace, we had the politics, you know, we went to protest together. You know, we were very, we're very close and, you know, politically aligned. I was helping with policy and I was helping with communication. So the, a lot of her tweets in the last, you know, before, you know, before she went off to Campbell River uh, or off to Ottawa, I guess. But if you've listened to other episodes of this podcast, you know this is going to take a turn. Matt's friendship with Saran was about to change. It's really stunning how, you know, where the story ends up in a very short amount of time. I saw no sign. I guess there were some issues around the uh, vaccine mandates that began to really drive us apart. I did not know her views on vaccination, really. I assumed, you know, since she wasn't vocally opposed to them, I assumed she was, you know, a responsible citizen. And she certainly didn't violate, you know, pandemic restrictions. There's evidence that she advocated for better vaccine access in uh, low-income communities. She advocated for CERB and, and rent moratorium. You know, her initial position on the pandemic was you know, working people, if they can't go to work, we have to make sure they have the means to live. The CERB was the Canada Emergency Relief Benefit, a $2,000 per month payment made from the government to citizens who had lost the majority of their income due to the pandemic. This was a hotly contested issue in Canada, despite the fact that many people, myself included, were only able to make ends meet thanks to the CERB. Back then, in the initial months of the pandemic, the conspiracy theorists and budding QAnon population of Canada would not have been in favor of the CERB. But Matt's friend, Saran, was. Like it did with just about everyone, the pandemic took a toll on Saran. I did notice a decline in her, I guess, her outlook on life in some ways. I think she really got deflated by some of these restrictions. You live in an apartment in downtown Toronto and the city's shut down, so I mean, it's, I mean, it's a tough place to be. This change in Saran may have been a warning sign for things to come. Around the Omicron wave, just after, just after New Year's uh, 22, I noticed a spectacular decline in her reasoning skills, a real change in her mood, outlook on life, and it starts getting a problem because I'm, I'm pro-vaccination. I've been, she knows that. You know, she never had an objection to me to being pro-vaccine. But I think she's meeting with these unvaccinated city workers. She's very sympathetic to them. She hears that, like, she obviously did not understand vaccines very well. So I assumed a level of being informed that was not there. And she started hearing an alternative perspective. And, you know, they had all these things that I didn't know was being, I don't know what she was learning from them or hearing from them. But I think she was hearing things about the harm of vaccines. 
and, and she's starting to see the unvaccinated as a group of victims, right? You know, she'd see them as like, these people are being excluded from from society. They, you know, people are saying, you can't be here because you're unvaccinated. I don't want you here because you're unvaccinated. And she was upset. Matt began to worry and would gently confront her about where she was headed. You're getting into anti-vax territory and um, she's getting interested in vaccine mandates around. Like, I'm noticing it in, in January. It becomes very, very um, obsessive. But we have to be careful about, you know, not being anti-vax yourself. You are not credible. And I cannot, in good conscience, back an anti-vax candidate. It just became a fixation. The rhetoric in the media seemed to exacerbate the issue. I don't know if you remember, there was this Toronto Star headline that got criticized, actually, um, for it really polarized some of the anti-vax community. They had a, you know, there's some, a cover that said, you know, if some, somebody said, I think the anti-vaxxers just die or something like that. Like people, somebody just, so there was a point where some people in the country were so angry at the unvaccinated, the anti-vaxxers, they were saying things that were, you know, that were maybe not the wisest, but it doesn't mean get rid of vaccines or vaccine. It doesn't mean don't vaccinate. It just means, you know, try to have a, you know, change your tone. That's, I understood that. I actually tried to change my own. I tried to follow her on this. Actually, you know, I tried to say, you're right, sir, on there, there, you know, people shouldn't. treat Despite his polar opposite views on vaccine mandates, Matt tried hard to understand his friend's position. I could kind of respect on some levels. One, okay, she's one. She doesn't think workers should be fired. Okay, she's standing up for the working class. Great. I understand. I don't really think she's right about the vaccines, but at least she's the sentiment is, you know, it's something that's I can, you know, relate to who she is. He would ask her for solutions. But I would tell her things like, okay, you don't like vaccine mandates. Why don't you write down your alternative? You know, what you think would be a better plan. But I never got it. Matt was very outspoken in his support of mass vaccination, while Saran was starting to have doubts about the vaccines. This was a wedge that was being driven further and further between the two. We had a French lesson one day and uh, I had tweeted something about, I had criticized, I think it was Jordan Peterson. And he was like, tweeted something like, I'm in Tennessee and I'm just enjoying my freedom while Canada's enjoying, everybody's just living their lives and enjoying their freedom while, you know, Canada's backward Canada and Trudeau is still locked down and they're just, everybody's happy and nobody's, you know, nobody, does, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, it's just wonderful. They just have freedom. And I just, you know, I criticized it. Yeah, I said, you know, I need some comment on there. And I said, yeah, and you have like probably more deaths in Tennessee than all of Canada, you know, like something like that. Like it was, a, you know, it was a, there was there were consequences. But I, I, I mean, I made some comment. Anyway, we have a French lesson one day and it's on Zoom and it was kind of tense. And then she immediately just ended the the, the lesson. Like normally it was a pleasant, you know, we would normally talk after. So, oh, this nice house thing's doing, blah, blah, blah. It was a pleasant thing. But she was she was really upset at what I said. And I felt bad about it. Oh, my God, it's her feelings. I don't know what I did. So I called her I guess around January 10th or so, 22. Um, I call her and I say, you know, I'm so I must've done something that hurt you. And I am sorry to do that. And what can I do to make it better? And I said, and she said, delete your tweets. I don't like your tweets. I said about the, the anti-vaxxers. I don't like what you're saying with the unvaccinated. I said, okay. So I deleted them. You know, I was like, whatever. I'm not, you know, if, you don't, if it bothers you, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, this is not something I'm going to die on a hill over. It seemed to Matt that Saran saw the treatment of unvaccinated people as a left-wing issue. She started to see 
the unvaccinated as victims. And the fact that was worse, though, was that the left was not supporting the unvaccinated, right? They were being ignored. And the left was just saying, get vaccine mandate, you know, and you're bad for being an anti-vaxxer and all that. And she was starting to see them as, okay, they're a minority. She said, I will not stand by. The people are being fired. They're being, you know, they're being dismissed. They're being mocked. They're being bullied by the majority. And it's our supporters who are doing this. It's our supporters. And, you know, I'm not going to stand for this. You know, so it just starts getting, it starts getting deflated. But still, it's interesting because we're still, you know, even though we're having these moments, we're still close. Soon, Saran would have doubts about some of her biggest and most influential supporters. We're making a list of donors, and most of them we agree with. Let's put this around. Yeah, let's have Judy Rebick on the list. Let's have, you know, people like that. We would agree and say, yeah, that's great. Put them on. And then there was a person, I won't name who it is, and I said, this guy's been really supportive of you, this doctor. And she's like, no, he supports lockdowns. That doctor is calling for more lockdowns. I do not support lockdowns. No lockdowns, you know, that kind of thing. So it's just like, I will not take a donation from somebody who supports lockdowns. And this person's, you know, this person's been doing, you know, he's a doctor. He's been advocating for, he's with this group called the Doctors for Defunding Police in Toronto. They've been a very good group that's been supportive of her in the past. They, you know, they're very allied. I think he isn't, but I think there's a Eritrean or Ethiopian, which is the community that Saran comes from, member of that, of that group. But it's just like, all of a sudden, like, you're seeing the, 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 the centrality of the, 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 there's a real conflict and it's going to have to land somewhere because it's just getting too contradictory, right? Matt could not believe the difference he saw in his friend. Her mood changed enormously up until this vaccine mandate issue came along. She was had a good sense of humor. You know, she was joyous, less so during the pandemic, but like it just really deflated. And she would take criticism. Like I could be, I love being her campaign manager because I would say, you screwed up. And she's like, please tell me I screwed up. Yes, what I do is wrong. And she was a really good, I want criticism. I want criticism. Tell me what it is. And she was really good. She wouldn't take it. You know, she would sit, listen, take it. And, you know, she thought I was right. But now it was just like, any any shred of anything that could be construed as critical to the unvaccinated. She was like, no more humor. Like, life is just not, you know, worth anymore. And I'm getting, you know, I'm getting worried about her. I'm saying things like, Saran, you need to, you know what? I want you to, maybe you should take a vacation. Leave the country, go somewhere in the world where you think you can't be do, well, you can't do something in Canada. Well, go to the place in the world where you can do the thing that you want to do. Go away for a month, you know, go away, miss the winter here, go somewhere warm, come back and we'll start again. Because I think, I don't think, you know, I don't think you're doing well. And, and I wish, you know, maybe she'd taken that advice. Despite all of these changes and his deep concern, Matt kept his focus on the campaign. And also we have a campaign coming up. It's like, so on this campaign, we want to launch in, in May. We got work to do. We got policy to write. We have to, you know, get our fundraising together. We have to learn about organization. We have a lot to do. We do not have a lot of time to spend on this vaccine issue, which you have no control over anyway as a as the mayor of Toronto. But Matt finds his job getting increasingly challenging. And then there's a there's a very bizarre tweet on I think it's January twenty second, twenty two. And this is the first time I've heard about this trucker thing. And you know, remember when they had that fake news story 
about the grocery shelves emptying because of the truckers dispute. And then it turned out to be this conservative politician from Toronto posted some images from England showing like empty supermarket shelves. That was part of the propaganda to get people to support the trucking, you know, convoy thing. Or, But anyway, it's getting confused. And she puts out a tweet and she says, have you heard the grocery shelves have emptied lately? It's because of Canada's dispute with the truckers. And I'm like, I was about to call her and I'm about that. Take that. That is wrong. This is misinformation. But like I, we had so many fights over the vaccine. I said, you know what? Maybe nobody will read it. I don't want to micromanage your, your Twitter anymore. You know, and I just left it and didn't have a huge amount of traction. I said, whatever. Hopefully that's the end of this. Of course, it's not. The NDP, or the New Democratic Party, is Canada's left-leaning political party led by Jagmeet Singh. This is a party that reveres science and science-based policy. Both Saron and Matt have often been aligned with this political party, and it's the subject of Matt's book. You know, I get a phone call, and the first thing she says is, why doesn't the NDP support the truckers? And I'm just like, what do you mean? What do you talk about? It's like the truckers. This, you know, they're, they're going to have this this protest, this this protest of civil liberties in Ottawa, supported by the truckers. You know, we're having unvaccinated and vaccinated truckers are joining together to end the vaccine mandates. You know, it's like it's working class solidarity. Like the, even the even the vaccinated truckers are upset about how the unvaccinated are being fired. And she seemed to genuinely believe. She said that five hundred thousand people were going to be there. I think that's probably about the number of truck drivers in Canada. So I think she really believed that, you know, the whole trucking industry was behind this. At this point, I think she was just looking for any reason, any excuse or, or reason to, to come out against mandates. These people are extremists. These are the same people who ordered the, those yellow vest protests in, against Trudeau a couple of years ago. Like Trump is supporting it and, you know, and, and, and Ted Cruz and, you know, and like, you know, and Tucker Carlson. This is not what you think it is. You know, it also has very little to trucking because, you know, it's a weird protest, a weird thing to protest because it's a U.S. You know, the U.S. also has mandates and they're upset about supposedly Canadian unvaccinated truckers who who were mandated, but they couldn't be in the U.S. anyway. And it's not even true that they were being fired. They were being reassigned. They say, okay, you're doing domestic routes now. They didn't say you're fired. You know, that did not happen. Inspired by France's 2018 Yellow Vest demonstrations, a similar series of protests, dubbed the Yellow Vest Movement, took place in Canada. Despite their common inspiration, the Canadian Yellow Vest Movement significantly differed from its French counterpart by incorporating xenophobia and racism into its messaging. Various sources have characterized this movement as endorsing extremist views, harboring hate groups, and leaning towards the alt-right and far-right ideologies. The organizers of this movement were behind the organization of the trucker convoy in Ottawa. Of course, Saran believed none of this. She's like, no, no, you don't understand. That's a, ho that's a hoax. That's a hoax. Fake news. You don't understand this issue. You need to get more informed on this issue. And I'm like, oh my God, I thought. And I said, she said, you know what I thought? I said to myself, I said, she sounds like she joined a cult. 
Matt was not ready to give up on his friend or the campaign for mayor of Toronto. He decided to speak to her and try to get her to understand that it's not a good idea for her to become a one-issue candidate. He wanted to draw her attention away from vaccines and mandates and focus it once again on the many issues facing Toronto's working-class neighborhoods. She assured him that as a lawyer, she knew how to be responsible, and she took all of these issues seriously. But saying it was one thing. Doing it was another. But I'm noticing her just getting really overzealously excited about the Trumpers. Like, really overexcited. And she's also discovering TikTok. And she never used TikTok before. Didn't have a TikTok account. But I said, you know, let's learn TikTok because Jogmeet uses it quite effectively and it might be a good way to, you know, it seems to be the, you know, an important campaign tool. Let's learn it. She said, okay, I'll get, I'll familiarize with this over it. Well, you know, I thought, you know, she uses the way Jogmeet does it or do it with, with the AOC does it or something like that. But she finds the truckers there. She would send me videos of trucker propaganda, at least their promotion, right? The, 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 you know, the, the videos promoting the convoy. And I just wouldn't watch them. And just saying, I'm not, you know, I'm not watching this. And I wanted, I thought if I just tune them out and just don't take it seriously, maybe she'll get the point that I'm not going to. But things only got worse. There was a statement by the White House about the unvaccinated that warned people about a dangerous winter ahead if you're unvaccinated. And then it says something along the line of like, you know, if you did, a, if you got your vaccine, good for you, responsible citizen. If you're not, you know, you could face a winter, a, a very a deadly winter or dangerous consequences. And she was so triggered by this statement. She sends it to me and it's like, uh, and she's like really upset about this, 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 this message that they said, because she's anything that criticizes the unvaccinated, she's just so sensitive to it. She actually is vaccinated herself, but she's already declared herself, you know, unvaccinated, you know, I'm with the unvaccinated. She's pretty much made that choice. Matt was reaching his limit. And it's one day at work and I take her aside and I say, let's go, you know, I want to talk to you about something. And I said, unfortunately, I have to leave the campaign. I do not support this extremism. I do not support anti-vaxxing and I cannot in good conscience support the campaign. I thought maybe that'll work. You know, maybe that'll, maybe she'll say, oh my God. And she's just like, well, I'm, you know, I'm really sorry to lose you. You have really, you know, good ideas about really good at comms and really good at policy. And you're really, you know, and it'd be sad to lose you. And then she says to me, like, please just reconsider. Saran proceeded to remind Matt of all the other issues they were fighting for together, from reallocating police funds to standing up for renters. And Matt, for whom all of these issues were crucial, decided to try again. And I said, you know what? You're right. I will stay. I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe she'll be great on all these other issues. She'll still call for free transit. She'll still call for defunding police. She'll still call for, you know, all sorts of, you know, a, a good housing policy and all that. But unfortunately, there'll be that vaccine mandate. And maybe that'll still, if you balance it out, maybe 
she'll be the best of the lot. You know, that was kind of my thinking. Soon after, Saran took up a new case and had a lot to focus on that wasn't vaccine-related. Matt began to hope this is just what she needs to pull her back to the issues the campaign was founded on. As expected, it doesn't work. In no time, she's talking about the trucker convoy again. She says, I'm really concerned about the state of civil liberties in this country. I'm really worried about it. The truckers must win or else there will be permanent lockdowns. At that point, I'm just like, I I retort back. I say, even if it takes a swastika flag to do it, because, you know, they had the display at the swastika at Parliament Hill. I immediately regret saying that. It was flippant. She's like, I'm offended. And she ends the call. Matt couldn't help but worry that he may have just ruined this very important friendship. I thought, you know, I don't want to lose my friend. You know, I didn't. And, you know, so I thought about it for a few days. I was really down about it. And I decided to call and apologize to her. I say to her that I'm your confidant and I'm your friend. And you should be able to say things freely. Because, you know, I want, she wanted me to space to, you know, bounce off ideas and not, you know, be torn down for it, right? And I wanted to be, I was usually that person, right? That was when Matt stepped down as campaign manager for good. He didn't want to let their political differences get in the way of their friendships. And the campaign manager role came with a lot of policing that was clearly driving a wedge between them. Additionally, he felt he couldn't have his name tied to a campaign that was clearly anti-vaccine. We patched things up. She's like, apology accepted. But I realized, you know, I'm realizing she doesn't seem interested in running for mayor anymore in Toronto. She doesn't seem interested. She's just interested in the truckers and the vaccine mandates. And I'm like, I don't know where this is going to go. And I realize this is probably coming to an end, sadly. Only a few days later... Matt realized the friendship may also be coming to an end. We have a French lesson planned that day. And she calls me and says, oh, Matt, I just want to be like, okay. I'm like, hi, I'm on my way to CSI. I'm there in a few minutes. And she's like, class is canceled today. I'm at the airport. I'm on a plane. I'm going to Ottawa to monitor civil liberties. So she's gone to Ottawa and I never see her again. She doesn't come back to Toronto. She's in the convoy, and it's just, okay. And at that point, I make the decision that I, I'm i not cutting her out of my life, but I am no longer calling her or initiating phone calls. I'm just, I will take them, I will listen to them, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to support this convoy thing. I'm not supporting it. I won't. When Saran left for Ottawa, Matt was sure she would realize her mistake when she, a clear leftist activist, was confronted with the type of people and racist, anti-leftist rhetoric at the convoy. She doesn't. She just completely subsumes into the convoy, like just completely gone. And it's just, it's, it's stunning. If you study her social media or Twitter account, you will see the timing, like you see her just slip in January 22 from 
left-winger to, to convoy supporters. But things were about to get significantly more concerning. I get a phone call one day, and I pick it up, I don't remember if he says, he Matt, I got great news. Big Bear's going to support the campaign. And, you know, I, I don't know who Big Bear is. I look at his social media. This is like Timothy McVeigh-style like rhetoric. This man is really, really extreme. Colin Big Bear Ross is one of the convoy's biggest personalities. He's the leader of the Big Bear movement with roots in QAnon conspiracy theories. He asserts that pedophiles are running Canada, that the government is tyrannical, and that modern medicine causes more harm than good. Matt was utterly shocked to see the contents of Big Bear's social media. It's a lot of like New World Order, a lot of stuff about pedophiles, the, you know, QAnon style, you know, pedophiles are run the, you know, liberals are pedophiles, and Trudeau's a pedophile, and, you know, they save the children, and, you know, and these, you know, vaccines are crimes against humanity, the lockdowns are crimes against humanity, that the World Economic Forum is giving us vaccines in order to depopulate. You know, the, 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 they're, they're, they're locking us down in order to destroy our morale so they can take away our, we'll just be so psychologically damaged by these lockdowns, they can just easily take our freedom away. And it's just, it was just shocking to see her seem to embrace this person. Matt thought about sending Saran an email asking her if she knew what Big Bear was all about, but he stopped himself. I'm at this point, I'm just like, you're going to learn on your own soon enough. Surely you're not going to stick with this guy. Instead, Matt decided to focus on writing his book. Well, I was so eager to get this book. I was so excited. And though I have to say that, you know, this experience really thwarted my launch. Like, because I was just worried sick about what had happened with my friend. I, I just was so down. If she hadn't gone down this road, she was so so encouraging of the book. She would have supported it. She would have been there. I was sad. I like I was doing the acknowledgments, and I said I can't even put her name in the acknowledgments. But he still kept an eye on what his friend was up to. And you know, and it just gets weirder and weirder. Sometime after the convoy, she's moved to British Columbia. She decides to move there because there's this movement of the convoy. They're all like, we're going to take. We're going to slates across Vancouver Island. We're going to take over the island and, you know, win cities. And, you know, and she decides, I'm going, to, I'm going to join them. I'm going to be their candidate. That's when Matt gets another shocking call from Saran. She says, okay, so I have, a, I have an announcement. I'm, you know, I'm making, you know, making some changes to the campaign. And I want you to find me a city in British Columbia. Many of these elections go unclaimed. So find me a city in British Columbia, maybe Campbell River, maybe Nanaimo, Nelson, but look for that city where there might be an opportunity to run, where there's an availability, where there's going to be no one, maybe there's a city somewhere with no one, where there's no incumbent or it's an empty seat or whatever. And, you know, let me know, do your research and, and find that city. At this point, this is just so delusional. And it's so different than the person I knew. This person I knew was very community-oriented. And she lived her life in Toronto. She was very much about, you know, grassroots community. And this is just like, let's hire a mayor to, to run a city. You know, that's how we can just take them over. And she goes on about how we, if we take over enough towns, that we can form a block of cities and tell the province to end the mandates. And this is just so delusional. 
Matt finds himself at a loss for words. And a few days later, they share their last phone call. And it's really sad because, you know, the old personality is still there, but you know it's just fading away. The old person, Saran I knew, was rapidly fading away. So April, um, I go on to Big Bear's site, his socials, and the first one is a video of him. His his website is now down. I think he's you know he's been it's been it was up then. There's a video of him talking about how he's going to run this slate in BC. You know we have to to change the system. It's time for us to change the system for we got to get into politics. We got to get to take over our towns. We got to we got you know get town governments. Got to take town councils. You know that kind of thing. So it's eerily similar to her like find me a city phone call. Then I see. The, the announcement, like she's standing there with this guy, you know, with his arm around her and it's his social media, he's got his arm around her and he's like introducing her and he's doing all the talking. And then she's like, hello, patriots, you know, I, you know, Big Bear is a, a thought leader and a, 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 a knowledge keeper and all this it is absolutely delusional. Gentlemen, Big Bear here. Look who came to visit me in Nelson, BC. I got Saren. She came from Vancouver. We met in Ottawa. This woman is amazing. She is an attorney and she's got some words for y'all today. Hello Patriots. I am so proud to be in Big Bear's hometown. He is a shining light for Canada and also a knowledge keeper, a thought leader, and really oh, helping you. us get through uh, get through this and unify. This beautiful soul is going to be running for the mayor of Camel River, British Columbia, so make sure you get behind her there, and also so you know, I'm coming to the Rolling Thunder. After that, I'm just done. I stop taking any phone. She calls me, and I'm sure she's calling me to say, guess what, I got big news. I got an announcement. I stop taking the phone calls. I cut, I take, I get three phone calls. I think it's April 26th, May 3rd, May 4th, and then that was it. I do not understand how on earth you go from Black Lives Matter Toronto to QAnon. But that's what's happening here in a matter of months, in a matter of months. And I, I put an end and I say she's lost some call. You know, she's lost some cult. She's gone. Not much I can do. And I just really hope this fails. I hope Big Bear is so incompetent and feels she looks so ridiculous. This man is so extreme and so repulsive. I don't, you know, I don't understand what she sees in him at all. I don't get it. Matt is deeply saddened by the loss of his friend. Like me, he finds relief in absorbing information about the mechanisms at work in Saran's drastic change. So after that, I start reading on the topic of cults. I order Dr. Stephen Hassan's book, Freedom of Mind. I become, I start researching cults. I say, yeah, this is what it is. I ask a community leader in Toronto, I ask one person, try to reach out to Saran, just try to see where she's at. Maybe you can help, but he's not able to reach. She's not able to reach her. 
So, you know, I give up and I say, you know what, I'm going to the, I'm going to the press. I'm forwarding this to the press because she's now a true believer or an, or an agent of this cause. I cannot in good conscience know that they're trying to pull this intervention in an election in Campbell River. That's when Matt reaches out to the press in Campbell River. He makes a few connections who help keep him up to date on what's going on. I heard that she actually approached some of the progressive candidates and wanted to see if they could work together. But she was also convoyed. Um, those candidates were not impressed. She's also identifying herself as a private prosecutor. Which she never was. But this is where the, the United People of Canada come in. The United People of Canada, or TUPOC, is a nonprofit organization that has been continually accused of having ties to the Freedom Convoy organizers, despite the fact that the group denies it. This group includes a director who serves as an advisor to the husband of Tamara Leach, a well-known convoy organizer. Directors of Tupac have been known to post on social media about the New World Order, the Mark of the Beast, and other obvious QAnon-related conspiracy theories. Whether they have any affiliation with the convoy or not is inconsequential. This is a group widely accepted to be made up of extremists. I learned in the paper, in the Toronto Star, that Saron is their lawyer, and I just about die. As their lawyer, Saron would go on to defend the group in an eviction case brought against them by their landlord. Tupac had entered into an agreement with the owner of St. Bridget's in Ottawa, a deconsecrated cathedral and familiar landmark in the neighborhood. The group agreed that they would provide a $100,000 deposit on the property and pay rent with the intent to purchase the $6 million church. They had also agreed to prove that they had obtained liability insurance for the property. In the case against Tupac, the landlord claims that the group did not hold up their end of the deal, failing to pay rent and the deposit, and they also failed to prove that they had obtained the necessary liability insurance. As such, the landlord wanted them off the property. The judge that heard the case sided with the landlord and ordered Tupac to vacate the premises and pay court fees. Saron would come in right about the time that they were appealing this decision. According to Matt, her arguments in court during the appeal were almost nonsensical, and once again, the judges found in favor of the landlord and ordered them to pay more court costs. They now owed the landlord $65,000 and had to leave St. Bridget's. Meanwhile, Saron lost the election in Campbell River by a very large margin. Matt says she received just 400 votes in a city of 35,000 people. A video posted by Saron on election day of one of her supporters drunk did not seem to help the situation. She's still in camera for a bit longer, um, and she does some two really ridiculous cases. One is the, the nightclub, which we you know you see in the article that they have <laughs> the flags of Dubok outside this anti-vax nightclub, and this woman believes that vaccine mandates or, you know, she's one of those like, oh, I'm just so tolerant. You know, I can't, it's not in my, I can't in conscience discriminate. So that's why, you know, that's why I can't have vaccine mandates. And she's been a flagrant violator of, of public health law. And, you know, Saron's going there claiming these, they're supporting her and uh, claiming ludicrously 
that, you know, there are human rights violations occurring. And, you know, we know, obviously, that the Ontario Human Rights Commission, for example, has, you know, made it very clear that being unvaccinated is not a stat, you know, it's not a protected category. And she just doesn't understand unvaccinated, the concept. Like, she doesn't get it. Like, you can be an ideologically opposed to vaccination. You could be just uninformed, but not necessarily hostile to it. Or you can legitimately be unvaccinated because you're for health reasons. And there's a very, very, very small minority who do. And how do you protect that small minority that are unvaccinated? We vaccinate ourselves, right? The other case is even worse. There is this woman in Campbell River. She's at a grocery store very early in the pandemic when a mask mandate was in place. And... You know, she goes there and she's screaming how con- no, COVID isn't real. She, you know, salts like an employee at the shopping cart, spits on somebody. And, you know, and Saran ends up being her lawyer. I asked Matt where Saran is now. It sounds like she's now living in London, Ontario and employed by Tupac. She's now, you know, the in-house counsel for Tupac. I don't think that's the resume draw she thinks it is. Matt has spent a lot of time thinking about all of this, and he's come to a conclusion. I think it's a cult for every person. That's what I learned. And I may not have been pulled into this one, but I think we're all vulnerable. I think that's a lesson. Like, she had some uh, some vulnerabilities around the vaccines, and just, she was a gullible person. And it was almost part of her nature to be gullible. She was somebody who wanted to, like, give everybody a chance and hear them out and feel bad and listen to everybody, and, you know, and it just... But she just got, you know, got taken in by bad faith actors. I asked Matt how he copes with the loss of his close friend. It is so hard because, you know, I I still have a workspace at CSI. And I struggled for so long and still do to go there. Because I can't not think of her being there. Because she was such a center of that place. And it's just, you know, she was such a... We had such a wonderful time there. She was a really good friend. And, you know, she just abandoned. She was so unfulfilled with her life for some reason that she decided to, you know, get into this movement. One thing that helped me was the Reddit page, QAnon Casualties. That page is extraordinary. I reaffirmed my own values. I I did a lot of good reading. You know, I'm not going to let these people tell me. I don't take their arguments seriously at all. I'll not let them tell me, lecture me on what freedom or democracy is because they haven't a clue. They're ignorant and foolish, and they, you know, they don't—they have—they're allergic to a social contract. They do not understand it. And I decided I got to get this story out, but I really didn't want to do it in a way that was denigrating and humiliating. I didn't want to do a public humiliation ritual because I think that's the, that's the standard. Matt wrote an in-depth article linked in the show notes with evidence of his entire story, including videos, tweets, and more. This is a play-by-play of my friend. You can see my friend completely change in a couple of weeks. It is just stunning to see. And she was, you know, she had a lot to offer. It was really a sad thing. And it's really hard to understand because people, I didn't understand cults at all. I, you know, it took me a long time to research it. 
you know, you want to go back and say, what was I missing? Was there something in her that was off about her the whole time and you just overlooked it because, you know, you liked some other things and she was your friend and you thought she was cool and, you know, you thought she was like the coolest person around. I really did. I really did. I, I, I thought she was a wonderful friend. And I'm just, you know, devastated that I and kind of became the bad guy because of these vaccine mandates. I did not cause this pandemic. I'm not going to campaign against mass vaccination. That's just unacceptable. Thank you, Matt, for telling us your extraordinary story. Links to Matt's book, article, and Twitter are below if you'd like to know more about him. Thanks to our listeners and our supporters. We absolutely could not do this show without you, so thank you. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform to be notified when the next episode is out. Thanks for listening. 